Welcome to Inspiring Minds, powered by the Edison Awards, where we showcase the leading innovators from across the globe. I'm your host, Jennifer Trammell. On the podcast today, money laundering. More than a trillion dollars a year, maybe as much as two and a half trillion, illegally makes its way through the banking system. It's tied to activities like drugs, terrorism, and human trafficking. The adversaries that we seek to identify and stop have enormous assets at their disposal, um, are extremely good at hiding, uh, and frankly have arbitraged the financial system very effectively in the last 20 years. You might think it's like finding a needle in a haystack. But Simon Moss, the CEO of Symphony AI Sensa, says because criminals are so good at hiding these fraudulent financial transactions, it's even harder. What you're looking for is a needle in a stack of needles. It looks exactly the same as everybody else. The team at Symphony AI Sensa is all about exposing financial crime. And they're pretty good at finding what does not want to be found. They've developed Sensa AML, anti-money laundering, sophisticated technology that uncovers fraud with predictive insights. Simon Moss is here to talk about creating a world where crime is no longer profitable. Simon, welcome to Inspiring Minds. Thank you for inviting me. It's very nice of you. Well, we're glad to have you here today to talk about Sensa. And let me say congratulations to you, to the team on your Gold Edison Award. Yeah, it, it's brilliant. Um, uh, we, we're, we're flattered, honored, um, you know, all the superlatives that you would normally use. But it, it's more important than that to us. Um, you know, we're a group of people that came and said, we've got a really nutty problem. We don't want to solve it in the same way as everybody's tried for the last 20 years. We want to innovate our way out of the problem, looking at the problem a different way, experimenting on how to solve the problem, bringing new ideas in from oncological research, bringing some amazingly bright people into, uh, into, the, into the company, uh, driving a culture where everybody has had an opinion. And so, you know, to, to get recognition like this, that, you know, the, the big labs at IBM, the Elon Musk, the, you know, the, the, you know some, some, some true innovators have also been recognized. And then we have been recognized for this is, is a really big deal, Jennifer. And we're really excited that, uh, that this recognition has, uh, has come our way so early on in our company. Excellent. Well, let's take a big step back. The Sensa team is working to combat financial crime. So let's start by talking about this problem of financial crime. What does that include? Well, it, it's a reasonably complex question, but you know, in, in a nutshell, it is categorized by two specific activities. N number one is, is an easy one, is direct theft. So fraud, employee malfeasance, corruption, um, uh, uh, extortion, uh, elements like that. And that covers a lot of cyber and all of those areas. Uh, the second is a little more complex. The second is where the financial system is being used and arbitraged and exploited to facilitate crime. So money laundering being the classic example of that, supporting terrorist financing, rogue states, pedophilia, uh, uh, you know, human trafficking, sex trafficking, in which the banks and the financial markets and financial system is actually being used to launder the money that's being generated by that. And obviously the biggest being the narco economy at the moment. Though obviously, you know, significant funds coming out of Eastern Europe and out of Russia as well. 
Um, so you break that into those two categories. The, the challenge is, is incredibly complex. Um, the adversaries that we seek to identify and stop have enormous assets at their disposal, um, are extremely good at hiding, uh, and frankly have arbitraged the financial system very effectively in the last 20 years. So you're not, you know, from a mathematical perspective, from an analytical perspective, you're not looking for a needle in a haystack because that's pretty simple. You just need a really big magnet. What you're looking for is a needle in a stack of needles. It looks exactly the same as everybody else, but but it will infer a behavioral approach. And so what, what we did is we did a thing called Project X because COVID came in. We took over the company. COVID came in. You know, everything ground to a halt. So we thought this is a terrific opportunity to bring the biggest brains that we have in AI, combine them with the biggest business knowledge that we have with our client base and with, with, with the individuals that we have in, in, in the team, combine that intellectual horsepower and say, we want to find modern financial criminals. And what we've been using in the past is a market that uses you know, legacy rules that were built or at least designed five to seven years before the first iPhone in the early 2000s. And they were generally looking for crimes that were identified in the 1980s and 1990s. And so what we've designed and what we've brought to the market is an ability to find these new bio markets in which a particular behavior looks completely innocuous, but it will metastasize into criminality, just like a cancer cell does. And so we've developed a whole new approach of extremely explainable AI. So when, when a bank calls me and says, Simon, I'm not gonna do business with you anymore because you're a bloody crook. Well, they better know what they're talking about. They better have the details to be able to justify that conclusion and that action. So the ability to not just find these really well-hidden individuals or organized entities within shell companies, within false identities, within layering of different transactions, um, uh, within you know, categorically different asset classes that, that not, not just are based in fiat or the cash markets, but now just as much in the crypto, NFT and digital markets, to be able to identify behaviors that say this is criminal, or more interestingly, this will become criminal with a high degree of probability. And so we've really focused on a really complicated problem it's a, depending on who you want to believe, it's between a trillion and two and a half trillion dollars a year that is arbitraged through the banking system for money laundering. And it is an enormous amount of money being stolen in, in fraud uh, through the credit card companies or through the retail banks. And we're focusing on, on both of those areas uh, to, to really generate a meaningful and materially measurable improvement not just the detection and the effectiveness of finding these criminals, but also in the operations of being able to manage and, and ensure that when we do identify them, we have a high confidence level that these individuals are actually the criminals we're looking for. In other words, finding those needles that are trying to look exactly the same as the other needles. That really helps to put this in context and show the size, the scope of this problem. Oh, it's enormous. Everybody's life, everybody's life is touched by it. Um, you know, and, 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 and unless we sort it out, we are facilitating 
some of the worst crimes that humanity does to each other. Um, you know, whether that's wildlife trafficking, whether that's human trafficking, whether that's modern day slavery, whether it's the exploitation of elders, all of these things require enormous amounts of cash or in the drug industry or the human trafficking industry generate enormous amounts of cash. That it is imperative that the banking system and, and the societies that they support deal with these issues because they will undermine the integrity of the system as a whole unless we sort it out. Your clients then are the financial institutions and how are you helping them to combat this? Well, there's several categories of clients. Um, you know, financial services as a whole, uh, retail banks, correspondent banks who tend to do cross-border transactions, um, uh, 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 credit card companies, um, but also on the other side, we're also dealing with a lot of clients who now maybe retail stores or, or large manufacturers who have a significant financial component to the financial services component. You've got to remember that, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the primary money laundering asset in the 1960s was white goods, fridges and washing machines. In other words, things that were pretty portable but they maintained their value. Well, that's no different now to a Samsung or iPhone. Highly portable, maintain their value. And so there's lots of different uh, 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 institutions, not just in the financial markets that's being touched by these, uh, uh, by these criminals that, that we can service and that we work with. Um, uh, the, the, the third category is this whole new digital explosion, you know, the crypto markets. Now, um, you know, a lot of people are looking at this. We, we believe that this is a fundamental change to the financial services industry. If you look at the adoption of cryptocurrencies, it's about the same trajectory. It's almost precisely the same trajectory as the adoption of the Internet in the early 2000s. So it's just exploding. And you know, it is, there, there's a lot of regulatory conversations on, OK, how are we going to manage risk? How are we going to manage crime? And, and we as a company at, at Symphony Sensor intend to focus at allowing banks and our clients to deal with that, though it's as if it is completely seamless and it's a product from 40 years ago. So it's extremely important that not only are we focused at the traditional banking industry, at the US dollar denominated global bank is, banking industry that has been so effectively attacked by organized crime or by opportunistic uh, individuals or countries, but the, the new digital market with digital assets and digital currencies, that there is that there is transparency in that as well, because the two are fundamentally connected together. You, you need a bank account to be able to, to, to trade cryptocurrencies. And, and that bridge between the two is an area that we're really focusing at. So several markets that are touched by this criminality that we service. That makes sense. We started big and broad. Let's get down into the weeds. Sensa created a product called Sensa AML, anti-money laundering. Yeah. And I really want to know how this works and give us as much detail as you can about how you find those needles. Um, yeah, uh, w without boring everybody to death on this, um, you know, Sensor AML was com one component, but what we have, we're a platform. Um, Sensor is a platform. And, and the best way to describe it, it's a razor and razor blade model. So we, we have a razor 
um, uh, th that razor is the platform itself. Within that, we have a whole new category of patented uh, algorithms. Um, these algorithms take huge amounts of data from any source, structured, unstructured, real-time, batch. We tend to focus, though, at saying, hey, you have a traditional system already in place. Let's just take that data because we don't want you to spend any more money implementing our product. We want to see what you're missing with the old system. And point number one, and I'm not going to go too much into it, we have an ability to um, uh, uh, have the data tell us the story. So what applications have done in the last um, uh, 30 years, since like the 1970s, is we have this amazing product here. Yeah, it's a fantastic product. Look what it does. And they go, oh, the client goes, oh, terrific. Love this. And then we go, right, could you do us a favor, though? Before this product works, can you make the data look like this? And this death march of homogenization to a particular data model that is required to make an application work starts. And so 80 cents in every dollar is spent in identifying, normalizing, moving, storing, and optimizing data into some sort of construct. And then everybody argues about data lakes and relational databases and all that, that stuff. The problem is if you're making data look a certain way, you're forcing the data to tell you, its tell you a story that you're writing. Well, when you're trying to discover something that you don't actually know exists, you have to have the data tell its own story. And so it's mission critical for us that our clients just give us the data they have and let our system take it over. And, and so what we're doing at step number one is we're driving the informational yield of the data past where it was. And we usually triple the amount of informa valuable information that's generated from the data. That creates essentially a behavioral environment. And then we run a set of algorithms uh, and, and those algorithms are looking for specific criminal behavior, whether it is a replication of behavior that's happened in the past, whether it's something new, whether it's connecting to certain individuals, whether it's creating or inferring a particular behavior and a trajectory towards malfeasance. And then all of those, and a client can add their own models, they can add their own rules, uh, but at the end of it, we have a thing called a composite. And the composite model takes all of these results, connects them all together and goes, this one, it actually is a big deal. And so the traditional players have about a 1% to 2% accuracy rate on the generation of criminal identification. It's about it. It's about 98% what we call false positives. And those are behaviors that look criminal, but they're completely innocuous. We did a deployment with a client comparing the results. Um, same data, exactly the same data. And then we made it even harder. We said, we don't want to know the client's names. We just want to, we just want to look at behavior. We just want to discover criminal behavior. We identified 81 times more crime than they were identifying. So the effectiveness of discovery went through the roof and as a result, the operational costs or the false positives fell through the floor.
And so we reduced the false positives by over 70%, but we increased the criminal detection by over 81-fold compared to the system that they had. Our listeners might be able to relate to those false positives. Is that like when I get an alert from my bank saying this is a suspicious activity? Uh, Yes, that's a good example of that. Um, uh, uh, But you've got to remember that these things are being generated in the tens of thousands and our clients are legally obliged to investigate them. And so the past decade or so, there's been a lot of technologies that have focused at reducing false positives. To me and to us, that is trying to cure the symptom and not the disease. The symptom of bad, ineffective detective, uh, detection is false positives. So if you're trying to solve false positives by just looking at that volume problem, you end up in the danger of actually institutionalizing the very risks that you were looking for. And so we reversed the whole paradigm and said, the problem is not the false positives. The problem is the lack of effectiveness in discovering crime. Let's focus there. Let's find these criminals that are hiding so effectively. Let's understand the connection between different asset classes and how they're used to each other, not just cash transactions. Let's connect employee activities, wealth managers and individuals like like that, with with, with these activities. Let's bring in referential and relationship graphing, not just, oh, you know, this person is Vladimir Putin's cousin. That, that's easy. But really looking at the behavioral inference of how people are connected to each other. And, and as a result, we're able to find the networks of laundromats. Um, you know, one, one, of the example, one of the bigger examples, um, uh, much, much more effectively. And, and so we are increasing detection by an order of magnitude but we're doing it for half the cost and that is a very very key issue because we focused at the problem not focused at the symptom of the problem when you think about what kind of difference this is making in the world what comes to mind well it's not making a huge difference yet we're still a pretty small company uh, but we are growing rather effectively, and I'm very proud with the way the team is contributing. And we obviously, our, our, um, our Symphony AI made a very big move with uh, for us, and you know, a huge vote of confidence for us. So it went the acquisition of a of a company called NetReveal, who we're incredibly excited to be partnering with in the future. They're, they're a leader in this market, and the combination of our innovation with their leadership and client base, we have a true opportunity to change the market now. There's the question, what does that change mean? Well, you know, one of the big challenges for us has been um, uh, the market has been fairly comfortable with what it's been doing, even though to a large extent it's fairly ineffective. The regulators are fairly comfortable with a set of rules that they understand that they can articulate. And there has been a lot of philosophical arguments and philosophical conversations about the use of AI in discovery and in, in, in investigation optimization. Um, what we have decided to do is say, well, hold on, we're going to prove it to the market. And working with our, our friends and, par- and new partners at, at NetReveal, we're going to give our, the NetReveal client base an opportunity to use their heritage rules, add our models 
add our algorithms and combine the two so we've not just got 15 to 20 years worth of heritage in the rules, but we also now can optimize them and increase the transparency by the orders of magnitude that I was just talking about across the client base. And what that will do, touch wood, is a wholesale transformation on the transparency of the banking community and of the financial services markets. Um, we have been left behind by our adversaries. Uh, not, not because of laziness or, or duplicity. We, we, we just have not had true innovation into this market. Um, Symphony AI, Sensor, Net Reveal, this whole business is going to drive in, in innovation into the market, is going to work with clients and show the market the degree of transparency and the degree of value that could be created by deploying these higher order technologies simply, quickly, and with the massive, uh, massive increase in effectiveness that we've been discovering with our clients. So yeah, it, it's a big deal. We intend to protect the financial systems, financial system more effectively than we have done in the last 20 years. You're lifting the curtain. You are finding those needles and you're finding the stuff that really doesn't want to be found at the end of the day. Well, that's absolutely right. Um, uh, you know, look, we're not arrogant enough to say we're going to stop this, but if, if, if we can put, you know, 10 or 15 cents on the dollar of the cost of doing this, you know, there, there are going to be a lot of people who we can genuinely help. Um, you know, whether they're, they're elders, whether they're, whether it's individuals who are being horribly exploited, um, or whether it's a financial system that's being, you know, aggressively exploited by, uh, by individuals who, you know, frankly, shouldn't even have access to that financial system. So, yeah, you know, in the end, what our customers do is as impactful to our adversaries as individuals who are in the military abroad. We can have that big an impact if we do it right. And we intend to arm You're fighting them financially. Customers. That's the lifeblood. Absolutely. It, it truly is. And, and we intend to arm our customers with the best tools in the market to be able to discover and interdict on these individuals or on these countries. Simon, I read that it took 10 years, 44 patents to create Sensa AML. I'm sure the team faced many challenges along the way. Will you tell us about one and how the team worked to overcome that? Well, that, that's not strictly true, Jennifer. Um, the uh, you know, Yazd, uh, which was the company that SAI uh, bought uh, two and a half years ago, um, you know, really was a joint development between DARPA and the Stanford Math Lab. They'd done a great job. They'd innovated a, a, a mathematical approach called topological data analysis, or TDA, uh, which was terrific. You know, there's no doubt about it. Um, uh, what we did when we took the firm forward, we said, well, what we need to do is we need to take all of that heritage, all of that intellectual property, and we need to focus it at a problem. And we found that TDA was good at making things look certain ways, good at things called segmentation, which is, you know, this is a segment of behavior. This is another segment of behavior. This is the movement of that behavior to another, which was all pretty great. But it wasn't what we really needed. So over the last two years, we invested 
in a you know very very powerful team um uh, and and we rebuilt the entire company which is really why last week we changed the name to sensor to see because everything from a legacy perspective has, has changed and so it would have been great to be able to say yeah this is the result of 100 million dollars of investment it, it isn't this is a result of a truly remarkably creative team understanding to a very granular level a business problem and then working not as a straight line zigzagging their way forward trying different iterations trying different ideas trying different innovations um testing it working very closely with clients who were amazing at supporting us and 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 essentially getting a breakthrough in establishing new biomarkers on the identification of crime. And, and so there are a new set of patents. We have all the patents on TDA, of course, but TDA and the legacy, uh, uh, we, we, do, we use a lot, lot less now. Um, you know, we, we're now fully cloud native. We, Kubernetes is a big bet for us as a company. So we are fully interoperable. We have all this wonderful uh, linearly scalable uh, uh, environments to support very, very large firms or very small firms. Um, and, and that's been done by the likes of Pavel and Warren and Chris and Claudette and David and, and, and really, and, and Daniel, and a really amazing team that has been able to say, we've got a very, very difficult problem here. Nobody has solved it. We're going to solve it. And let's be very clear. We got it wrong a couple of times over the last two years. Um, uh, but, you know, when, when, when we've zigged, we've zagged as well and created some, uh, I think, remarkable IP. And the results are, are really showing that at the moment. That iterative process. I mean, every day the team's coming up against challenges that they're, they're trying things that didn't work. So what does that help us learn about what can work? Tell me about your team's kind of philosophy, I guess, when it comes to innovation and the grit factor that must be part of it yeah well you know obviously within the large enterprise market and the financial services market you know the, the biggest competitor is the inertia and orthodoxy of doing things the same way in the past and sort of persuading people to do things differently and and, and having to show them that those results so i, I think there are you were really uh, two other challenges so one you've got to go to market challenge which is you know how do you persuade people that, that this innovation is going to make, you know, a, a very significant impact. And there you just keep generating results, just keep showing them how much better it is and explaining to them. The, the, the second area was really uh, establishing an approach within our data science teams led by a guy called Pavel, uh, um, bloody genius, and, and giving them an opportunity to say, go find these behaviors. Let's use some data. And by the way, the data isn't going to be very good because most bank institutions, most enterprise institutions' data is actually pretty poor. So let's just begin to find different types of biomarkers that infer behavior or show behavior happening in real time. And, and they tried lots of different approaches, lots of different examples and it took several iterations in, in being able to find these uh, these things. And then the third is, well, the big challenge of data science 
has been you've got some really bright people sitting in a lab and they develop something and they go oh that's really cool look but then they can't put it into you know a, a, an enterprise that the, that's the size of a reasonably large country can't deal with the volumes can't deal with the concurrency can't deal with the number of users and and so Gartner is right when they say 80% of AI projects fail and they don't get out of the lab. And so the third challenge for us to say, if we are going to innovate, we've got to make sure that the innovations that we invent, that we discover, should be usable, then should have a material impact on the client's operating model. That it's not just some sort of esoteric, hey, isn't this cool? But something that says, here's a package that can be deployed that this is how much it costs, this is the value that it can create, and this is the critical path that we can deploy it with against your volumes. And so it wasn't just innovation, but it was relevant innovation, and it was achievable innovation, uh, realizable innovation. And that's what's made us very, very different to a lot of firms. It, it wasn't just, hey, you know, we've got a really cool idea and, and you know, a big philosophical conversation to be able to say, uh, hey, we, we, we've discovered something. It was sort of the value that we can create is now can be deployed at a firm of your size. And we have a high degree of comfort that this can be done pretty easily. Looking ahead, what's the team working on? Uh, well, remember, we're talking, uh, we, we talked about just coming back right to the very beginning. So we talk about the platform play. We've got the Razor. Sensor AML is a blade that sits on top of that. So does Sensor Fraud is a blade. Um, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but we are, as I said earlier, we are big fans of the digital markets and we believe there is a very significant amount of, of fraud and, uh, and crime within that bridging between the digital market and the cash markets. Um, we, we've done significant amounts of work in cyber, uh, in cyber extortion, uh, particularly that we like. And as we begin to continue to understand the behaviors of our customers, we are beginning to see behaviors that aren't just bad, but we're also beginning to see good behaviors. We're beginning to see opportunities for customers to say, hey, you're a really important customer to us, Jennifer. We're sorry we haven't given you the level of service that we should have done in the past. We just discovered you. And so we're really giving customers an opportunity to just not look, at, look for crime and for risk, but slowly begin to say, we need to understand holistically the entire relationship that we have with a, with a customer because many, you know, 95% of customers are good, honest, law-abiding people that are looking for a great service. And we're dealing with a technology-savvy generation. The millennials, well, the biggest generation in history. And according to the American Bankers Association, 75% of them would prefer to go to a dentist than to a bank. So banks have got a customer service challenge to be able to say, how do we build products? How do we build relationships for a much more technology fluent customer base going forward? And so it's a very interesting dynamic that as we deal with crime and with risk in transparency, we're also uncovering a lot of really great opportunities to build new product, to build new uh, uh, packages, to build new relationships, and to focus those relationships at client bases who have been uh, you know, uh, underserved more than they should have been in the past. Good point there. We can use this for the everyday customer, the 95%. That's exactly right. Provide, provide better service there. 
Yeah, because in the end, we, we are identifying behaviors. And behaviors are individuals that act in certain ways. And, you know, yes, we've been talking about criminal ways, but there's also a lot of people who are, you know, just a bit upset with the customer service that they're getting and they're thinking about moving institution or moving service provider or moving insurer. Well, these firms want to know about that long before the customer walks out the door and says, yeah, it was because of this reason. And there, I think we have an interesting opportunity within the financial services community moving forward because their client base is changing very significantly and the expectations of their client base and the mobility of their client base is, is dramatically changing over the next decade. Simon Moss, I want to thank you for joining us on Inspiring Minds. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you. Um, and, and, you know, you shouldn't call me an inspiring mind, but everybody else at the company have inspired me for sure. Thanks again, Jennifer. Thank you. You've been listening to Inspiring Minds, powered by the Edison Awards, showcasing the leading innovators from across the globe. I'm Jennifer Trammell. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us for our next conversation with another inspiring innovator.